Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. During this holiday time, because there's so much writing on making it a special time, and I think actually the first thing I will talk about is the last sentence of this mom's question. I just need advice on what we can do to help support them and make their time with us anxiety-free. So that's setting an awful high bar. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about how to manage those tricky emotions that show up in all families. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. And I'll even tell you what to do and what to say. Hey, Lynn, let's recast, I think, a very important episode from Christmas 2020. It was a pretty tough year, but for a lot of families, every year can be tough, and you answer some really challenging listener questions. My husband and his ex-wife have a parenting plan that outlines schedules around the holidays that are all very clear. The problem is that his ex-wife constantly interferes in all that we do when we have the children. She sends him text messages every day dictating what he can or cannot do and has already been told by the parenting coordinator to not interfere with his time. She makes a normal visitation weekend difficult, but longer periods of time are extremely stressful. My husband's boys are 9 and 12, and signs of anxiety they show are nail-biting and the old oldest to the point of bleeding, and in his youngest, puking before their mom picks them up. Their youngest will also complain of leg pain after he gets off the phone with his mom. They will both wake up in the middle of the night with awful night terrors as well. Their mom will call in the evening to say goodnight, but will ask them to close the door and will basically interrogate them to find out what they've been doing with us. They are both wonderful boys, and my 11-year-old son gets along with them fabulously. I just need advice on what we can do to help support them and make their time with us anxiety-free. This is the challenge of not only blended families in general, but during this holiday time, because there's so much writing on making it a special time. And I think, actually, the first thing I will talk about is the last sentence of this mom's question, I just need advice on what we can do to help support them and make their time with us anxiety-free. So that's setting an awful high bar that they're not going to have any anxiety, that if this is a difficult relationship between their mom and their dad, if there are really cleared out plans, if there's a parenting coordinator involved, it doesn't sound like that this has been smooth in a lot of ways. And so now thinking that during the holidays, you're going to make it anxiety free, that's probably too much to expect. But here's what I really do think that you can think about. The holidays, we want to be a special time and we want to let kids enjoy it. We want to be able to see it through their eyes and let them have all the fun and all the excitement and all the closeness that we all imagine during the holidays. Your job and their dad's job during this time is to really make sure that you are paying attention to the way these boys feel in terms of divided loyalty. 
Now, this is something that can happen because families do it very blatantly, right? So there are some families where the parents really talk about taking sides with the kids and they really make that clear that that's their intent and that that's their desire for their children to pick one parent over the other. But I think probably what's more likely happening in this situation is that it hasn't been something that's been in purposely stated, but it's something that the kids can pick up on. And most kids can pick up on this because their parents got divorced and they've had to make a lot of adjustments and they've had to make a lot of changes. So I would be really careful in recognizing that even if you're doing everything right, and even if their mom is doing everything wrong, which I doubt that it's that clear cut actually, because I've been a therapist for 30 years. Even if it's that clear cut, they still are feeling torn. And the stress that they feel, and and I talk to a lot of, of parents about this, the stress that their child, that a child feels when they're making a transition may not have to do with where they're going or who they're leaving, but the fact that they're going and that they're leaving. So it's not that they're upset that they have to go with their mom or they're upset that they have to say goodbye to their dad. They're upset because they have to leave and they have to go and they have to make these transitions back and forth. Being able to to talk to kids, sometimes in a direct way and sometimes just making sure that the message is given, you know, it's sort of in the ether, is that transitions are hard. And that their mom loves them and their dad loves them and you love them and their stepbrother loves them. But it really is asking a lot of a nine and a 12 year old to be able to navigate this in a really smooth way. So put the emphasis not on what mom is doing, but really validating for these boys that this is really hard emotionally going back and forth. And that it doesn't seem as clear cut as you'd like it to be, right? So that there's clear instructions and there's clear limits. And when she has them, she has them. And when dad has them, dad has them. For them, it's much more combined for them. It's much more complicated for them. So this idea of loyalty, this idea of needing to choose, and this idea of needing to separate are all things that really contribute to kids' emotional distress or anxiety or worry during this time. So the message you want to give to them is whether you're going somewhere or coming back from somewhere, whether you're saying hello or goodbye, all the hellos and all of the goodbyes are emotionally loaded. And so we know that there's going to be some strong feelings. And I'm talking about hellos and goodbyes on the phone. I'm talking about hellos and goodbyes in anticipation of pickups, in anticipation of leaving, in anticipation of going, in anticipation of coming back. All of that stuff is complicated. Don't make it about who's doing the bad things and who's doing the good things. Be really, really careful about your language and and recognize too that kids in these types of situations Listen very closely to what the grownups are saying. Even when you think they're not listening, their ears are really tuned in to what's going on between their parents. 
So that would be the advice that I would give you. Really validate it, really make room for it, and make sure that you and your husband are not having conversations that they are possibly hearing. They've clearly been through a lot with this. It doesn't sound like it's a very good relationship between these exes. That's enormously stressful for kids. Make sure that you are doing everything you can to make these transitions as smooth as possible. It's the hellos and the goodbyes that are causing them such distress. That's a normal part of what happens when you're put between two parents that love you, but don't love each other. It's really about making sure the adults are stepping up their game and really paying attention to the messages you're giving. You can't do anything about the messages that their mom is giving, of course, but really you and your husband really pay attention to that and really validate it so that they don't have to feel like they have to act a certain way or not say certain things or not do certain things when they're in one house or the other. If not necessarily with this family situation, but when we're talking about blended families and and especially divorces that were not so smooth, the mom might not have partnered with somebody else, Mm -hmm. right? The mom is alone while the kids are there. It's not about the content the mom feeds. The mom is still the mom, just like the process, still the process. If the stepmom was like, you know what, we're going to bake a lot of cookies and I want you to take these home to your mom mm-hmm. as, a, as a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Even if you just feel nothing towards that woman, if she feels acknowledged and valued and, and is modeled that with her kids, if a stepmom did stuff like that, could you sort of turn it around a little bit. Yeah. I think that showing your children that there is a connection, that you acknowledge the mom, that you are, well, what you're doing is you're saying to these boys, I know you love your mommy. Right. And your right? mother's important. And, and your she's, mother isn't. Yes. And mm-hmm. she's part of our family yes. and your family, even though she's not here. I just feel like those kind of actions are very powerful. Yeah. I was a I was a child of divorced parents, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I did get shuffled back and forth. Mm-hmm. This is taking me back to, as you were saying this, I feel like I was like a little four-year-old again. Yeah, You feel like as a child, it's your job to show loyalty to whoever you're with in that moment. Right. Probably a survival instinct. Yeah. And I think, you know, the word loyalty is really the powerful word in this because children should not be asked to show more loyalty to one parent or another. But you're exactly right, is that they'll be loyal to whoever they're with. One of the things that happens too a lot of times in blended families is that when a child is with one parent, they'll throw the other parent under the bus. And then when they go back to the other house, they'll throw the other parent under the bus because they're just trying to stay connected to the parent that they're with. And not only that, but they have a lot of conflicting feelings about the way the parents are dealing with each other. Maybe if there's a new relationship, there's just so much going on for these kids internally. That's a wonderful idea, Robin, is to say, you know, the stepmom says, I am going to help you stay connected to your mom in a healthy way while you're with us. Mom, you think about this, the the stepmom, if you think about this, I'm going to help you stay connected to your mom in a healthy way. What would that look like for you, stepmom? What would you have to do to pull that off? That gesture and that language can really help kids feel okay with the conflict that they feel inside. I love that idea. 
this is what happens, right? Think like it, the, the, the mom calls and then they close the door and the mom interrogates them. It's all sort of like, you know, which camp are you in? How do we blend it so that they can, they can be with their mom and dad positively and healthfully when they're not with their mom or when they're not with their dad? How do we, how do we make that happen? Well, the other thing is the stepmom has the opportunity. She was not a member of the divorce party, right? She was neither the ex-wife or the husband who has much deeper injury from Mm -hmm. what was incredibly stressful. Mm -hmm. If she really wants to lead, she can lead and put her feelings aside to the ex-wife and really create something moment by moment, a little better for the boys. And I just have a really hard time believing that wouldn't eventually have an impact on all of their relationship. As you say that, I have such uh, ownership of the the throwing under the bus loyalty challenge starting from that period and carrying that with me. Yep. Like I probably have still done that as an adult in certain circumstances because it was so ingrained in me. But you're right. That's a survival instinct. I need to be connected to the person I'm with because that's the person right now who I'm dependent upon. And I think oftentimes the more conflicted the relationship is, the more that kids do that because it feels so tenuous to them. So we'll be right back after this short break. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, there's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance, so literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn, and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic, and that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's Masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good, and Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass 
actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. Okay, we're back. So Lynn, here's a listener question. And she writes, I'm dreading the holidays with my two kids at home for two weeks. My 17-year-old son really hates his 13-year-old sister right now, and any family time is awful. My daughter has caused a huge amount of upset, drama, and fear recently as a result of her mental health. She took an overdose in September, and her brother is very angry at her for all the anxiety and disruption she has caused the family as a result. She has frequent meltdowns. We have no other family around us, and we will be totally alone for the holidays, just the four of us. How do I keep the home calm and peaceful and enjoy Christmas with all this stress and upset? How do we do things as a family without World War III breaking out? Help. Oh, so this would be, this is a really tough situation if everything else in the world were going fabulously. So mom... I am empathizing with you that you've got a daughter who's really struggling and you've got a teenage son who's trying to figure out how to manage all that. And then you as a parent are sort of feeling like you're in between all of this and you're feeling so responsible. So there are a few thoughts that I have. One is that when I hear in the question that you say, how do I keep the home calm and peaceful and enjoy Christmas with all this stress and upset? I think that you're setting the bar really high, that if you think your goal is to keep things calm and peaceful, and I'm wondering if you can come up with another criteria that you are going to help everybody get through this in a way in which there is as little hurt and emotional destruction as possible. Now that's setting the bar lower, But I think even if you can just say to yourself, my goal is to get through this in a way where we are not experiencing a crisis, where we're able to coexist, where we're able to have some moments of hanging out and doing Christmas family things, I think that's going to feel far less stressful to you than saying your job is to keep things calm and peaceful. 
So that's the first thing, because that's an awful lot to ask of you. The other thing too, really is okay. You say the four of us. So that means that I'm assuming that's two parents and two kids. It's really okay for you to divide and conquer during this. You guys don't have to be a foursome altogether. And it may be an opportunity for one parent to go and do things with one child and the other parent to go and do things with the other child. So this idea that the four of you have to be a unit for these two weeks, I think is also setting the bar really high. It is okay for people to spend time alone during this. And so if your daughter wants to go off and do something, you know, be off in her room for a while, if your son wants to go off and be by himself, allow that to happen too, so that you can come together as a family and then you can have breaks too. You can have some privacy. So time alone is really, really okay. And it actually is probably pretty important. The other thing that I would do is that I would talk to your kids about this beforehand. And it may be helpful to talk to them individually with your 13-year-old and then sit down with your 17-year-old And if you feel like you can do it together, that's okay too. But again, it's okay to do it separately. And to say, I know we've been through so much. This has been really, really hard. And as we're going into this, you know, holiday and we're going to be together for break, let's just talk very openly about how challenging this might be. And let's think about what I can do to help you and maybe what you can do to help us, right? So that it's not feeling like you're totally focusing on the 13-year-old and that she's the one who's the problem because that often happens in families. So talk to her about what she thinks might be helpful and write those things down. And I would have the same conversation with your 17-year-old. There has got to be a lot of empathy and a lot of validating how tricky this feels. And it really is okay for you to say, let's figure out how to get through this. Let's talk about what might help. I think it's really important to just talk about it very openly. And then the last thing I'm going to say, and this is not something that you can do right now, but if you haven't taken advantage of a really good family therapist, I would highly recommend that. And what a lot of people don't know is that there are people who do individual therapy. There are people who, you know, work with couples and that kind of stuff. But there are people who really specialize in working with families. You can, in your training, you can get your license in what's called marriage and family therapy. So somebody is referred to as an MFT. And if you haven't done that yet, and if you haven't looked for that as a resource going forward, that may be something you don't know about, but it would be something that sounds like it would be really, really important because the language that you're using to talk about this problem is so powerful. There's chaos, there's crisis, there's drama, there's hatred. A really good family therapist would be able to sort of help you guys navigate how you heal from what's been going on through all of this. When I hear your advice and I sort of imagine what it's like to be in the room with her two children, her Mm -hmm. 17-year-old and her 13-year-old, individual moments of connection can be very powerful and the most realistic. Yeah, because you can imagine, right? So mom goes into this and she thinks, all right, I want us all to have a Christmas brunch where we're all sitting together and we're opening our presents and we're feeling very connected, right? And of course, this mom, because all of these pictures of 
families getting along and everything going swell are all around us right now, she's probably feeling very pressured to make that happen and also feeling pretty anxious going into this that, oh my gosh, I don't want things to go badly. You know, I have to make them go well. The other thing too is moments of connection can happen very spontaneously and they can also be around things that you don't really expect. You know, like there might be a moment of connection that we see where everybody's standing around the piano and somebody's playing Christmas carols and you're singing, right? And everybody's like, oh, right, okay. I bet that's not going to happen. Right. The real connection happens when you're folding laundry yes. and starting to laugh about something. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Those spontaneous moments of connection, like you say, folding laundry or after dinner or you're watching a show. The thing about connection and the thing about kids that are struggling, particularly teenagers, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, when we ask teenagers what they're looking for from their parents, they want you to keep trying. They want to have moments of connection that are small, right? They don't want to stand around the piano and sing Christmas carols. But say you're going out to do something, just keep asking. And it's really okay if they say, no, I don't want to do that. The cool thing about it is that they notice that you asked. And that's something I think that parents don't realize with teenagers, is that if you say, hey, I'm going to run to the store, do you want to come with me or do you, do you need me to pick anything up for you? They may say, no, no, I don't want to come. But they know that you just asked for their company. And sometimes that is the best that we can do in the moment. And that kind of reaching out and saying, I hear you, I know you're here, I'm asking for your company can really make a difference. So think about that and we'll be right back. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts. 
So now back to the show. If a parent wants to connect with a teen who's not that interested in connecting at the moment, Mm -hmm. is there the right way or the wrong way to ask for a hug? Like, is it wrong to say, I really need a hug as a parent? Because then it's like, I need you to caretake for me and give me a hug. Or do you need to say, can I offer you a hug? Like, can you put your own needs for physical connection in that? Yeah, I think I would probably stay away from the word need, um, right? Like I really need a hug right now because then that feels that does up the ante. And you could say like, oh, I would love a hug from you right now. The other thing too, though, that can work well, particularly with teenagers that are feeling, you know, that they're sort of prickly for whatever reason is small, walk by, rub them on the back, give them a little squeeze on the shoulder, and lots of times when, when people are angry, it's sort of like they, they're giving off this energy of stay away, stay away, stay away. And it really is okay for you to sort of pierce that force, force field with a little bit of physical affection. And, you know, some families are not hugging families. Some families don't do that. But it really is okay in most families to walk by and just sort of rub your son on, on his back or tussle his hair a little bit. And you can ask, you could say, can I give you a hug right now? Or who's up for a hug or something like that. But really looking for that little spontaneous physical connection is really nice too. You know, one of the things just to pay attention to also is lots of times kids will throw something out that they're interested in. And it may not be something that you're interested in, but ask a follow-up question to it. Have a conversation. It's not going to, it may not be a long, in-depth, 10-minute conversation, but if they say like, oh, did you hear that blah, 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 or I saw that, that so-and-so did blah, 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 listen for those moments to just say, well, tell me more about that, or gosh, that's, that's kind of weird, or I had no idea. So look for those moments to spontaneously connect. It's a lot less pressure than saying we need to have this, this holiday vacation where things are calm and peaceful. We need to have this holiday vacation where we are going to look for moments of connection and find them. And I, again, I would just talk about it ahead of time. I would lay it out on the table. This has been a rough go for us. I know there's a lot of tension. And don't say, I know there's a lot of tension and I just want the holidays to be calm and peaceful. Say, I know there's been a lot of tension. So let's find small ways for us to connect. Yeah. When you said that, it made me think also some family cultures try and sweep the hard stuff under the rug, if you don't acknowledge that you all are having that hard time, it will make it harder, mm-hmm. right? Like trying to put a rosy picture on this is, is ultimately going to just, especially for teenagers, I always feel like teenagers' anger comes from their own bullshit detectors, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and so if you're around a teen and the family has been through a lot, like you all clearly have, if you're denying that in any way or like not, not acknowledging that truth, they're just going to, you know, they're going to give it to you. Yep. It's that validation. Of course you feel that way. There's this great New Yorker cartoon from years and years ago where a husband and wife are sitting in the living room and they're, he's reading a book and she's looking at the newspaper and there's a like an oriental rug like, and there's just this huge pile. It's like there's an elephant under the carpet and you know the the message is they've just been sitting here sweeping things under the rug so thinking about that and just being open about it and just acknowledging it just saying this is this is going to be tricky we know that things feel really intense right now and we're going to be all together so let's figure that out 
So the holiday week is upon us, and we just thought we would continue to share some of the things that we're doing to celebrate Christmas. We have family all over the world. Yes. And we decided to have our first annual Twas the Night Before Christmas reading, Mm -hmm. and we divided up the poem among all of the family. There are 25 of us around the globe, and I'm editing that film right now. And so that's a really fun way to have the little cousins participate in something and you know, have family that you don't typically see very often participate. And I think that it's a really nice way to, not that we want to commemorate 2020 so much, but it's just a reminder that we are all part of a bigger family. Just to be clear, so Robin came up with this idea and it really is so great. We all got a picture of the poem. Every family member has a few lines to say. And then we all have to make our individual videos and then Robin's putting them all together as a movie. And none of us know what the other people are doing. So it's going to be a big surprise. So much fun. So I was out snowshoeing this morning with my best pal in the blue sky and it was incredibly beautiful. I actually hadn't been out of the house and she told me about this thing that they're doing for the grandmother in the family. And I forget what it's called. I can get the exact name from her, but there's this frame. It's like a digital frame, but it's separate from your computer. It's, you know, it looks like a picture frame. You plug it in and everybody gets the link to it. And you just send your Christmas pictures to the link during the day. So you take a picture, you send it to Nana's frame. And she is there and just sitting and watching these pictures come in in real time of people celebrating. And it creates this slideshow that she can enjoy watching her grandchildren and people all around. And so she feels like she's a part of the celebration. I thought that was such a great idea. That is a great idea. I know the frame you're talking about. Yeah, you do. Um, I'll try and put a link to it in the show notes because it definitely makes sense. I think maybe we're on to something. So join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn your question on an upcoming episode. And thanks for joining us for another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode.
Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.